Amen. Hosanna in the highest. It is good to worship the Lord. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Good to be together in the house of the Lord and to worship Him. And, uh, you know, sometimes worshiping God doesn't, doesn't come easy. You know, sometimes you walk into church and you really want to sing and shout and praise and raise your hands. Other days you kind of drag yourself into church and the last thing you want to do is clap your hands or raise your hands. And that's when worship becomes a sacrifice. And even if you worship as a sacrifice to God, it is still acceptable to God. In fact, we're going to be talking about something today. Um, we're going to start a new series today. Welcome to a new series this month. It is based on Romans 12. So this whole month, we're going to be talking about Romans 12. And so I invite you, during this month, I invite you to at least once a week, open up your Bible to Romans 12 and read through Romans 12. Some of you are probably familiar with this chapter. Uh, for some of you, it might be a bit of a new take. But it is a powerful chapter, and we're going to spend this whole month looking at different aspects of Romans 12. And the title of the series is Against the Flow. Against the Flow. You must remember, this book was written to the Christians in Rome. You can see those uh, little Roman pillars on the side of it there. Rome was the seat of the empire in the first century. Rome was the seat of culture, of politics, of finances. Everything that happened throughout that New Testament world was rooted in what happened in Rome. And so there were Christians in Rome, Jewish Christians and some Gentile Christians as well. And Paul wants to go and visit the Christians in Rome. But before he visits them, he writes them this letter. It's called Letter to the Romans. We've got it in our New Testament. He writes them this letter in preparation of going there. And in this letter, he sets out out the Christian teaching, the Christian doctrine, what it's all about. And he talks about the problem of sin and how man cannot save himself. No matter how good you try to be, you cannot save yourself because all have sinned and are separated from God. And then how God resolves the problem of sin by sending Jesus, his own son, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, Jesus, who is God, takes on human form, becomes a man, lives with us, reveals to us who God is, the will of God, the love of God, and then he gives his life for your sin and my sin and the sins of, whole, of the whole humanity. And so we see this gospel uh, is presented to us, gospel of love, gospel of mercy, gospel of grace. There is nothing you can do to be saved except receive the gift that God gives us, salvation through Jesus Christ. And so from chapter 1 to chapter 11, he's talking about this whole thing and, and about having faith and, and getting in the word and hearing the word and the mercy and the love of God. And now he himself so often, you now he's battling with his own flesh and what he wants to do. He doesn't do what he doesn't want to do. He does. Who shall save him? And then he said, but thank God that Jesus Christ is there. And when God looks at Paul, at him, he doesn't see Paul, he sees Jesus in Paul. And when God looks at us, those of us who have accepted the gift of salvation, when God looks at you, he doesn't see you, he sees Jesus in you. And so from chapter 12, he begins to, to talk about practicalities. How do we live out this faith? All that he's been talking about, all the work that God has done, how do you live it out from day to day? And so here in chapter 12, he lays it out. And as I said, it's chapter 12 and the others. But in chapter 12, there are some key elements, key teachings, vital teachings for every, every believer. 
And so we're going to spend some time looking at that during this month. We're starting today with what does God really want? And then you're going to look in other studies at know yourself. This, this chapter reveals to us, it's important for us to know who you are. God has given you gifts and abilities and callings. And, and you must understand those things to live them out. We're going to look at, at vital, critical, key relationships. Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship with God. But it's not just with God. You've got to relate to others as well. Your other relationships. And this chapter kind of reveals them to us. And so we're going to be looking at these things. But apart from what we're going to learn here, I invite you. Go home. Sit with time. And read this chapter and read it slowly. As you read, let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Because I'm sure that each one of us, as we sit and we read that chapter, the Holy Spirit is going to touch our hearts. He's going to remind us of something. He's going to speak to you through those words. He's going to adjust some things in your life. And how do I know? He's still doing it with me, okay? I've been walking this road for a while, and every time I read this chapter, God comes and he fine-tunes something. He reminds me of something. Our life is dynamic. Your, your life is always changing. It's always new challenges and, and new opportunities. And so whatever you are today in your life, when you read that chapter, God is going to give you some insights that you need today in your life. So I really invite you to take time and, uh, and go through that. Now, it takes courage to be a Christian. Did you hear that? It takes courage to be a Christian. Christianity is not for sissies. Okay? And that's why Paul was writing to these guys. You see, against the flow, in Rome, all this ideology, all that was happening over there, most of that stuff happening in Rome went against the grain of God's word. And for those believers in Rome to be followers of Christ, they had to go against the flow of the ideologies, the philosophies, the flows, the ideas, and the teachings that were coming from Rome at that time. Morality was at its lowest. People were living for themselves, fighting for position, and, and, and fighting for fame, and fighting for money, and everybody wanted to tramp everybody else to get to the top. Not much has changed in 2,000 years, has it? What, what, what was happening in Rome is like happening all over the world now. So I think this book is for us as well. Because for you to be a believer today, you also have to go against the flow. It is not for sissies. It takes commitment. It takes discipline. There is an element of sacrifice in being a follower of Jesus. Some people think, oh, I'm going to give my life to Jesus. It's all going to be so sweet. Hallelujah. No more problems. Guess what? <laughs> And, and then other people that say, oh, you know, when I wasn't a believer, I was living, I had a lack of life, no problems. Then I came to Jesus, and now I've got problems. You know why? Because before, you were blind, man. You were a fool. You're living for yourself and for your pleasures, and everything was okay because the devil had you blinded, taking you to hell. Now you've become a Christian. Your eyes have been opened, and now you see things you did not see before. Things that did not bother you before, now they bother you. Because you see it's against all of God. And it's affecting people. People are destroying themselves and destroying one another. Now you can see this and it bothers you. And you see challenges in your own life. And it's a good thing. Because it means we are swimming against the flow. For many years I've been doing assemblies in schools. And one year in um, 
Robert Teague School, I did an assembly over there. And now I arrived in school with my fishing rod and a dead fish to the horror of the teachers. <laughs> and I went on stage and I put this fishing rod there and I put some, a bucket on the floor and I hung this fish over there and it's dripping, it's wet and it's dead. And, and the kids are just watching all this. And so I spoke now about salmon that flows. Yeah, it is salmon, eh? Yeah, it falls up. Trout. No, salmon, salmon, yeah, salmon. Therefore, upstream. I'm getting mixed up with my fish and I'm not, I'm getting hungry. Okay, uh, uh, so they, they, they go upstream. They go from the ocean, they find the river and and they go upstream, going lay eggs and so on, and, and then they come back. And, but to go upstream, people that have seen this, it's a most amazing thing. This fish, it goes against the flow. It swims against the current. They jump over little waterfalls. They jump up and they, it's an effort. But you see, those fish, they've got a purpose. They've got a goal. They've got a name. They know they're going somewhere. And they are alive. Dead fish, Never swim upstream. Dead fish, just go with the flow, man. Whatever the water goes, they go. Whatever everybody's doing, I'm doing as well, man. Why mustn't I do it? Everybody's doing it, I'm going to do it too. Yeah, you dead fish. Jesus Christ calls us to live with purpose, to live with meaning. We're not just going with the flow. We've got purpose. We've got meaning. We have to swim against the current. We go against the flow in our lives. Right? And, and of course, you know, it's the, the outcome of these things in our lives uh, is obviously uh, finding purpose and so forth. The ultimate out, outcome will be to spend eternity with Jesus. But you've got results in this life as well. You experience peace like you don't experience without Jesus. There is an inner joy. There, there is purpose. There is, uh, you know, in, improved life and improved families and marriages and so on, which you don't get without Jesus in your life. But it's not without pain. Because not everybody around you is following Jesus. And that hurts you. There are still people out in this world who do not love Jesus, do not live according to the will of God. And they do stupid things. They hurt themselves and they hurt us sometimes. Sometimes even we, unintentionally, we do some stupid things and we hurt ourselves. We hurt others. And that's why we need Jesus. You keep on coming back to him. It's past couple of weeks about having intimacy with God in prayer. Why do we need that? Because we are on a journey. But I want you to understand that to experience all that stuff, which is valid and is for us, requires going against the flow. Requires living on purpose. Requires sometimes sacrifice. Hello? And so in this chapter, we are told how to live. Practical teaching on how to, to live. If we want to, the joy and the blessings, we have to embrace not just the promises of God, but also the premises of the word of God. What are the premises? The conditions. God's promises, they come with certain conditions. God has done things for you, but there are some things you've got to do now. Amen. Following Christ is for the determined and the brave. 
Those who would rule and reign with Jesus. And everyone can be determined and brave if they want to. It's a choice. And when you make that choice and decide to follow the Lord, He comes alongside you by the Holy Spirit and He strengthens you and helps you to do what you want to do, what you've chosen to do. God Himself will stand by and give strength to those who are determined to follow Jesus. And so in Romans 12, you find this practical breakdown. You see, up to 11, chapter 11, Paul is teaching us what God has done. Now you see, God will not do for you what you can do. Hello? Listen carefully. What you can do, God will not do for you. He will do for you what you cannot do. He, you cannot save yourself. You cannot work enough. You cannot pray enough. You cannot sacrifice enough. You cannot be good enough to, to save yourself. And so that God did for us. Jesus came. He paid the price. He paid it in full so that you can be justified. You can stand before God and say, because of what Jesus did, I can stand here. And God the Father welcomes you because of what Jesus did. And so what happens is this. Salvation is something which happens in the inside of you. You are spirit, soul, and body. And so God has done something to unite your spirit back with him again. We were separated by sin. But when we come to Jesus, we confess him as our Lord and Savior. We accept the work he did on the cross. And we say, Lord, I, 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 I surrender to you. I, I ask you to forgive my sins. I receive as my Lord and my Savior. I put my faith in you. What happens in our spirit? We are connected to God. And his presence comes inside our, our spirit. But you are not just a spirit. You are spirit, soul, and body. And now there is something that you need to do with your soul and with your body. And that God expects you to do. And so God presents this to us. He does so much. And now he comes to Romans 12. Let's read uh, verses 1 and 2. As we talk today about what God really wants. Verses 1 and 2 of Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. He says, I urge you, guys, for the love of God, please do this. He, he, he's saying, listen, I've spent 11 chapters telling you how merciful God is, how good God is, how wonderful he is. In view of all this, in view of God's mercy, I urge you, I implore, I plead with you, brothers and sisters. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Offer your bodies. You see, because the Spirit of God is in you, your body is holy. And you cannot get to do whatever you want to do with your body. It belongs to God. Your body and everything that belongs to your body. Everything you have dominion over. He's saying surrender. Sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Now listen. He is writing to mostly Jewish people. And they understand. He says sacrifice. They know what it means. Alright. And I'm going to get back to that just now. 
living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Now, this is your true and proper worship. Our sacrificing unto Him is an act of worship. Verse 2. And do not conform to the pattern of this world. The pattern of thinking of this world. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve. You will be able to experience what God's will is. His good, His pleasing, and His perfect will. So he's saying you have to change the way you think. And when you do that, you'll begin to experience some good things. And as you continue to change your mind and change your thinking and, and do what God wants you to do, you're going to experience some pleasing things. And as you continue, you're going to experience God's perfect will. It's possible to have seasons and moments in our life where we experience God's perfect will in our lives. But it takes what? Changing, transforming, renewing our thinking. Not thinking like the world, but thinking like God thinks. And notice that in both cases, God doesn't come and take your body. He says, no, offer your body as a living sacrifice. You are invited. You. You see, God has given you free will. He has given you this life. It is yours to do what you want. But whatever you do, there's going to be consequences. And because God made you, He knows what is best for you. And the best thing for you is to do life according to His will. Hello? <laughs> and, and, and the same thing with your soul. You're free to think whatever you want to think. But it's better to think what He thinks. <laughs> All right? Because when you fill your mind with His thoughts, things will go well with you. God is the creator of this universe. And when we follow his instructions, we are in harmony with the universe. When you don't, you're going against the universe. And you're going to come out second best in the long run. And so he says, listen, I want you to offer up your body. I want you to renew your thinking. You've got to do it. You don't pray for a new mind. You spend time in the word. and You renew your mind. Hello? Getting very quiet in this church. Talk to me. Huh? And, and so the Christian life is a powerful life. It's got so many benefits. And, but it requires something. Sometimes requires sacrifice. Definitely requires you making some choices. And he's instructing us in what choices to make. Let's go back to verse 1. Do not conform. Um, therefore, I urge you, brothers... And sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. You see, the people understood the idea of a sacrifice. In the Old Testament, the Jewish people had to bring a sacrifice to the altar, to the temple. That sacrifice was slain and put on the altar and offered up. And they could, because of that sacrifice, they could go home forgiven of their sins and God was using that to illustrate the seriousness of sin that somebody has to die blood must flow for sin to be redeemed to be forgiven it's not a light thing you don't just go oh oops I sinned no sin has consequences and it needs blood to redeem God never required human blood 
But there was that act. And, and, and the idea is that as people brought that animal, as they saw it being slain, they would realize that my sin has consequences. And in the Old Testament, all they could do is, could do is keep on bringing these sacrifices. And then Jesus came. And the Bible says one sacrifice for all. Because he was the perfect person. He was sinless. A sinner cannot take the place of another sinner. But someone who has not sinned can take the place of all the sinners. And so Jesus comes and he pays the price for all of us so there can be no more sacrifices. So the Jewish people understood the concept of sacrifice. And so he's saying, listen, offer yourselves, which means it's a living sacrifice, which means it's total surrender. When I walk up to the altar and I say, okay, God, I'm going to sacrifice myself. I am bringing everything that I am, everything that I have, I'm bringing to God and I'm saying, God, here I am. I am yours. And it's easy for us to sit in church and say, oh, amen. Yes, God, that's me. I offer everything I am. Wait, wait, not, not so quickly. Step back a little bit. Now, let's think this thing through. Because when you come up to the altar, you are offering, putting on the altar, for God's use, for God's will, everything you are, everything you have, everything you will ever be. And so it is a total surrender and that is worship. In the Old Testament, that sacrifice was an act of worship to God and they would go home justified. And he says over there, you do this, this is your true and proper worship. It's giving of yourself. And that's what I said just now, sometimes when you come to church and you want to sing, sometimes it's, it's a sacrifice. See, God is to be worshipped. In heaven, right now, God is being worshipped. There is worship all the time going on to God. Now, it doesn't mean you're singing all the time in heaven, but it does mean there is always a spirit of worship before God. All the time. And one day, when you get into His presence, when you sense Physically, in heaven, the presence of God, you'll understand why. Because when you see Jesus face to face, when you come into God's presence, your only response is hit the floor and worship Him. You see this revealed in Scripture. And you have moments, there are moments that God allows us during worship and during our gatherings or even sometimes in your own personal time with God, that His presence comes upon you. And the only thing you can do is worship God. You don't want to ask for anything. You don't want to complain about anything. You just want to worship God. Hallelujah. But sometimes it starts with a sacrifice. I've had a lousy week and, 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 and my money is short and, and my wife is upset with me and my husband doesn't listen to me and, 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 and my kids are, 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 are misbehaving and, and my car doesn't want to start and here I am in church now. What a battle to the church and I'm supposed to sing. Yes, I will sing. I will sing. I will do a sacrifice of praise to God. God, I love you. In spite of all this nonsense, I worship you. You are God. My problems does not change the fact that you are God and I'm going to to you I'm going to worship you hallelujah and before you know it something inside of you has changed the circumstances have not changed but you are changed and you leave this place like a bull man I'm ready to tackle the world I'm ready to tackle the problems oh, no problem. because God's strength is inside of you you offer the sacrifice of worship unto God and he comes in and empowers you he gives you strength he speaks to you and you walk out of here 
ready to face the world, ready to swim, to go against the flow and bring victory into your situation. Hallelujah. Are you getting something out of this? Huh? In the Old Testament, the offering was an animal. The animal was an involuntary sacrifice. The poor guy didn't choose, you know. Oh, I want to be a sacrifice. No, no, no. Somebody just grabbed him and said, come here. It's your day today, man. Involuntary. But a living sacrifice is voluntary. I take myself and I place myself before the altar. And I say, God, here I am. It takes a choice that I make. An animal is dead. They take him there and then they slaughter him and then they put him on the, you know. And so it's a dead sacrifice. But me, I am a living sacrifice. God cannot do anything with dead sacrifices. It was a thing in the Old Testament. It was a symbol. It was, a, it was there for a purpose. But we, what he wants today is a living sacrifice. You see, because uh, uh, something that is offered to him given totally to him for his use and then remains alive, that life reflects him. That life reflects his will. So if I am a living sacrifice huh, and I'm filled with him and I'm directed by him, I've given up my rights, I've given all over to him, my life will begin more and more to reflect his love, to reflect his character, to reflect who God is. As I learn, I live out and it's a living thing. The animal had to be repeatedly replaced. Me, I'm alive, so I'm, a, I'm in continuous service to God. I'm continuously worshiping Him. An animal was impersonal. There was no relationship between those guys and those animals. I just go there and say, that one, bring him in, sacrifice. There is no relationship there. With a living sacrifice, there is a relationship between the sacrifice, me and you, and God. He wants you to be connected with him. So you're a living sacrifice, living day in, day out in his presence for his will, for his purposes. Now imagine if more and more believers truly, totally surrendered to God. What does this mean to offer your bodies a living sacrifice? One word, surrender. Surrender. Just come before God. Lord, everything I am, everything I have, I surrender to you. Because I know you can take better care of me and my stuff than I can care for me and my stuff. Hello? So that is the whole principle of, of sacrifice. And somebody who understood about surrender was good old father Abraham. We spoke about him a couple of weeks back. If you miss it, you can go to our website, www.awakenlife.co.za. And you can go and listen to sermons over there, the teachings there. But Abraham, he had to make the ultimate sacrifice, didn't he? When God asked him to sacrifice his son. Now understand this. Yes, God has made him a promise. You're going to be the father of many nations. You can have lots of kids. I'm, I'm going to empower you. I'm going to bless you. And you're going to be blessing. Blah, 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 blah. And then God gives him one son. And out of this one son, nations are going to come out. And one day God says, <clears throat> Abraham. Yes, Lord. Uh, I want you to take your son. Go up to the mountain. And I want you to sacrifice him to me. 
which literally meant go to the mountain, make an altar, and kill your son as a sacrifice to me. Now, you, you read this and go, oh, atrocious, understand this. In, the, in Abraham's day, this was common practice in all the pagan religions around him. They all did this. Human sacrifice, sacrificing children for the sons of their parents was common practice in those days. So it was nothing, nothing new to Abraham. Unusual, but nothing new. And if you read the story, you see that God gave Abraham a lot of time to think about this because he had to go on a three-day journey before he came to the place where he was supposed to sacrifice his child. So Abraham had to be very intentional about this. It wasn't just a, a, an emotional reflection or a, or a sudden thing. No. God spoke to him. He had to go and chop wood, get wood, get a couple of guys' servants with him. And then they had to travel by foot, you know, for three days, think about it, talk about it, or at least with God. His son now and then saying, hey, dad, um, you know, we've got the wood, we've got the fire. Where's, where's the sacrifice? And Abel, Abraham says, don't worry, son, God will provide. What are you going to say? You the sacrifice, I'm going to kill you. No, no, no. Just keep walking, son. God will provide. Imagine the trauma, the, the, the fears, the things going inside Abraham's head. But you know what? In Hebrews chapter 11, I think it's verse 19, it tells us that what was going in Abraham's thinking is this. I trust God so much that I'm going to sacrifice my son, but God will bring him back to life again. That's what Abraham believed. You see, because chapter 22, where this, this happens, it wasn't the beginning of Abraham's life. Until this time, from the time that God began to talk to Abraham and ask him to leave his, his city, leave his people, and go to a place that God is going to show him, there were many, many trials and many tests which Abraham had to endure. He had to flee from famine and trust God to lead him. He lied to the king, said his wife was his sister, and almost got into big trouble because of that. And, and, and time upon time, Abram is, is making mistakes, but God is, is correcting him and is instructing him. And Abram is watching and, and observing that God is faithful all the time. And his faith is building up. His faith is building up. So that when it comes to chapter 22 and God says, give me your son, Abram says, okay. I don't understand. This is painful. But I trust that if you're going to take him away from me, you're going to bring him back. You're going to raise him from the dead. And off he goes. And off he goes. Ultimate, ultimate test. You see, what we learn from this, from Abraham's ultimate test, truth is this. God, God's will had nothing to do with taking something good from Abraham. Until today, when God asks you to give up on something, when God asks you to offer something to him, it has nothing to do with taking something good away from you. Listen carefully. If he requests something from you, you better know and understand that God wants to give you something bigger and better. What God was doing, he was testing Abraham's heart. He wanted Abraham's heart. You see, you go where your heart is. You follow your heart. And sometimes when God asks us for certain things, because our heart is in that thing, we want to hold it back. I want your time. 
I want you to go to church and worship me. Uh, no, God, but I've got other stuff to do. Lord, I've got this meeting. I've got this game. I've got this picnic. I've got this stuff. Where is your heart? And God says, bring your tithes and bring your offerings. Oh, I wish I could do it, God, but I don't have enough money. And, 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 and it's my money and I need it. Where is your heart? You see, God doesn't need your time. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your gifts. He's big enough. What does he want? Your heart. He wants to see, are you willing to trust him? You, you little speck of dust in the universe. Are you willing to trust this big, big God? Or are you going to hold your little mini speck of dust and ignore God? Huh? Think about it, guys, because this, in the days you are living in, God is looking for people whose heart are towards him. You see, it was ultimately a test of faith. God was testing Abraham's faith. And it's not so much for God, it's for Abraham's sake too. Because when God tests our faith, it's not for him to find out, it's for you to find out. How much faith do you really have? And so God sets you up. He brings you to crossroads. He brings you to situations in your life. And now you've got to make a choice. Am I going to trust God? Am I going to obey his word? Am I going to do what he's asking him to do? Or am I going to do what I think is best for me? What I understand? What I know is right? I know who I am. I know what I've got. I know what I can do. I know my debts. I know my weaknesses. I know my problems. You know, and I know how to fix them. And if I do what God is asking me to do, I'm going to give up on all my stuff. And then how am I going to fix that stuff? And uh, It's a test of faith. Are you going to trust God and give him what he's asking you to do, trusting that he will take care of your stuff? Or are you going to say, sorry, God, not today. I've got some stuff you've got to take care of. And you're going to remain with your stuff. And stuck in your stuff. It's a test. And you get to find out how much do you believe. And when you trust God and you, and you surrender, even though you might not understand, even though it might be painful to you, even though people might ridicule you and mock you because of the choices you're making, what, have you become one, one of those fanatics as well? One of those happy clappies that go to church and do funny stuff. One of those hallelujah boys and girls. You one of those two? Oh, please, man. Uh, and they mock you. It's a test. But when you do that and you keep trusting God, you trust the Lord. Then you watch as God begins to work and sort out your stuff. Because he doesn't want to take stuff away from you. He wants to take you to another level. He wants to be your provider. Surrender is the channel for God's biggest and best blessings. You can't remain here with your little things and, you know, oh, I've got enough faith to go to heaven, and, and, and you circle, 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 circle until you get to heaven one day. Or you can surrender to God and enjoy his goodness at a higher level here today and have great experience, experiencing God's power by putting total faith and trust in him. And so the life of Abraham was a living sacrifice unto God. He surrendered his will to God to do the will of God. And listen, Abraham was 75 years old when he began that journey with God. <laughs> All right? 
So don't you older folks think, oh, this is not for the young people. They've got their whole lives ahead of them. No, you're never too old to start and, and to surrender your life to God and trust Him and see Him doing great stuff in your life. And so in verse 1 of Romans 12, it calls us to surrender to a loving, merciful God and trust Him with all that we have. How are you doing? To surrender is to go against the flow of the world. The world says, hold on to everything. Make sure that you are in control. You are the boss of your life. There is no God, man. You are the God of your own life. And with many other arguments, you have to battle to find your way. And you must make that choice. Do I want the stuff of this world? Or do I want my life and my eternity with God? It's a choice you've got to make. God presents you with his love, with his mercy, with grace. And he invites you to offer up yourself to him as a sacrifice. You must make that choice. What choice are you going to make? Let's go to verse 2 of Romans 12. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Do not conform to the ways of thinking of this world. But be transformed, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasant, and perfect will. This verse is key in how we live our lives as Christians. It is also key to doing verse 1. You see, because... If you don't think that God is trustworthy, if you don't believe that God is who he is, if you cannot see, you know, from the word of God that God is merciful and grace, great and, and so on, it'll be difficult for you to sacrifice yourself, to give yourself up to him. But as you spend time in the word of God, getting to know the Lord, getting to know his character, getting to know who he is as he reveals himself in scripture to us, it becomes easier for you to do that. Our minds are full of thoughts planted there by the system of this world. And so people's opinions, world philosophies, pagan and non-Christian ideas and practices, we get bombarded with all this stuff. Radio, media, television, social media, magazines, conversations, trends, fashions, it's hitting us, bombarding us all the time. You're driving all these billboards all over the place. And so we are being bombarded with the world's way of thinking. And it kind of gets into you, man. And if you're not careful, that stuff begins to drive you and guide your thoughts, guide your thinking, and guide your decision making. You see, but God who created the universe, he is the one who knows how things are. God knows how the universe works. And when we learn to obey his word, we live in harmony with God's universe. To choose the mindset of God, to choose a biblical worldview, is to go against the flow of this world. And it is not easy. And, you know, ask Daniel. <laughs> I know we did speak to him about him a couple of weeks ago as well, mention him quickly. Uh, but, but let's visit his story again. And you can read much about Daniel by reading the book of Daniel, of course. But if you just go to Daniel 1, that's the beginning of the story. When they get taken away from Jerusalem to Babylon. 
And him and his friends, they go there, and, and the king of Babylon has got this training program where he takes these youngsters from, from different nations and he indoctrinates them to become Babylonians. That will serve the king. They, they come from all these nations, but they learn the ways of Babylon, the ways of thinking, their religion, and so forth. And then they become servants of the king. They work for the king and his palace. They become elite boikis in Babylon, but they come from all these different nations. And most of those guys just went along with the flow. The first thing that happens when Daniel and his friends get to Babylon, they change their names. And they give them names in accordance to their pagan gods. To get them to start thinking of themselves as Babylonians. But then something interesting happens. Daniel says, uh-uh. We are not going to go this way. It's all very nice. It's all very attractive. It's delicious food and the best of everything. But we are not going to embrace this system. We are going to live by our convictions. Wow. What is he doing? He's going against the flow. But he's also positioning himself, him and his friends, for God's best. Now, when this happened, Daniel was just a teenager when taken to Babylon with his friends. Okay? Youngster. So, we have two examples here. Abraham was an old man and, and he gets called by God and, and he gets it. Daniel is a teenager. See, you're never too young, you're never too old to make a stand for God. Don't say, oh, I'm too young for this. Or, oh, I'm too old for this. <laughs> no matter your age, you are the right age to make a total commitment to God. To make a stand. To live for what is right. To make a stand and not be influenced by the values around you, but be led by your convictions. Daniel and his friends, they had inner convictions about who they were, who God was, and they were going to honor their God they are not going to be influenced by these Babylonians with all their pagan stuff. And so, by their choice, they positioned themselves to receive God's best. It was scary at times, but they made up their minds to believe in God's word and see the world by God's eyes to the point that they said, you know, king, even if you kill us, we are still not going to do what you say because what you say goes against the will of my God. My God only is to be worshipped. Not you, not your statues, not your gods. You want to kill us? Kill us. Yes. That's conviction, huh? That's going against the flow. And God honored those boys. And took them out of that situation. And they saw God's power in their lives. And today, there are still people doing that. And some people are dying for their faith today. But they are not compromising the word of God. Others are seeing great breakthroughs. doesn't matter. The fact is, no life is wasted in God. We need to understand that. We make a stand for God. We make a mark. And out of that, there will be results. Abram made a mark. And he saw in his lifetime some of the results. He didn't see all the results. You know why? Because you and I, we are also descendants of Abraham. Abraham is not only the father of the Jewish nation. He's the father of the people of faith. I don't care which nation you come, come from. Look how many nations are in this room here. Abraham never thought <laughs> he'd have sons and daughters from all these different nations. South Africa and Brazil and Portugal and Rhodesia and, and Zimbabwe and Tanzania, whatever. Today, that nation is still growing. 
because of his faithfulness, what, 4,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, whatever it was. Huh? And so when you're faithful to God, we make a mark, we leave a mark. So here are some key points from Daniel's life. First of all, we are not at the mercy of our culture. Daniel dared to challenge the great Babylonian culture because it went against his values, his religion, and his God. And we are also not at the mercy of the current culture and practices. No matter what nation you come from, as Christians, we are first citizens of the kingdom and then citizens of our nations. Where did Daniel get his convictions? It says something about his upbringing, about his exposure to, to godly people, modeling those convictions to him. It says something about him paying attention and receiving and internalizing what was taught to him. We all have a choice. We hear the word of God. We've got a choice. Am I going to embrace and keep it inside? Or am I going to say, eh, when I'm older, I'll think about this. And he and his friends somehow had chosen to keep the word of God and live by the word of God. And they were not going to be intimidated by what was going around them. We are not at the mercy of the current modern culture. We are not at the mercy of what goes on in Facebook and social media and all that kind of rubbish. That is trying to push people to do crazy stuff. We are not at the mercy of our culture. We make a choice. I am a child of God. I am going to serve God. My body is a living sacrifice. My mind is being changed by the word of God. I do what God tells me to do. Not what you tell me to do, culture. Oh, but I belong to this culture. I belong to this nation. And it is our habit to do this. We do this. It's our tradition. Traditions of food, man. Every culture, every culture has good stuff and bad stuff. Because every culture is fallen. God is the author of cultures. He created the different nations and tongues and everything else. He created that. But through sin, every culture has fallen. And so I come from Brazil. If you go to Brazil, there's some great stuff in Brazil. And there's some horrible demonic stuff in Brazil. So just because, you know, I'm Brazilian, I'm going to do all that bad stuff, forget it. I'm going to choose the good stuff I keep, the bad stuff, it's like I'm going to put God's kingdom first. And in every culture, South African, Zulu, Corsa, Portuguese, whatever, every culture has some good stuff and some horrible stuff. And just because your culture has been doing it for centuries or millennium, doesn't mean you have to do it. Somebody has to break that curse. Somebody says, until here and no further. From now on, me and my generation, me and my family, me and my descendants, we are going to serve the Lord. We are going to serve the Lord. We are going to serve the Lord. God's values first. Kingdom of God first. Hello? Because when I die, I don't have to give an account to the president of Brazil or the president of South Africa. I've got to give an account to the living God. Hello. And I want to be on his good side. Because he's big. <laughs> and powerful. Alright. And I rather want God to like me and you to hate me. Than you to like me and God to be displeased with me. Hello. And so guys we need to understand this. Daniel. 
also learn that we are what we eat, okay? I'm referring to the choice of food that they, they, they made a different choice of food. But it's not about the physical food. You see, we all eat, not just food, but we all eat intellectually. We all eat spiritually. We feed ourselves, you know, with what we read, what we look at, what we spend time with. We are feeding our mind. What are you feeding your mind in? Fancy stuff? Dangerous stuff? Pornography? Sexuality? Huh? Bad language? Bad habits? What are you accepting as normal? You are what you eat. What you are allowing to enter and settle in your mind. Is it bringing you closer to God or away from Him? Is it building you up, bringing you peace? Or is it breaking you down? You see, Daniel lived in two cultures in conflict. Here he was, a Jewish boy with, with his belief in the living God and, and, and a history of seeing God's miracles in his, his, in his uh, in belief. And yet he's in Babylon, all these guys trying to break him down. Two cultures in conflict. And he had to live over there. He had to navigate his life in these cultures. And he chose to live by God's values. And although he got into trouble many times, God came through for him all the time. And you and I, we're also living in conflicting cultures. The culture of the kingdom and the culture of this world. Which is against the culture of the kingdom of God. And when you live by God's principles, people are going to attack you sometimes. You're going to get into trouble. It might cost some of you a promotion. What? You're a Bible-believing Christian? So you, you don't agree with these things of, you know, no, I don't. Well, then, goodbye. No promotion for you. Are you going to deny God to give you a promotion? <laughs> and, and so there might be conflict. We are going to live in conflict, guys. But again, if you are a living sacrifice, if you are dead to this world and alive to God, then those things are not going to pull you down. You see, because dead people don't react to the conditions of this world. Huh? Dead people don't react to the conditions of this world. And when you, sac- when, you, when you give your body a living sacrifice, when you renew your mind, you are dead to the things of this world. Daniel and his friends refused to compromise with the world's value. And that is what Romans 12 too, is teaching us. But we must know God's values so we don't compromise them. And so we need to spend time in the Word. As we learn God's values, we need to embrace them. No matter how inconvenient, the result is that it will result in us experiencing the good, the pleasing, and the perfect will of God in our lives. So it makes no sense to the world as we choose not to get involved in, in certain practices, to get involved in substance abuse, to get involved in things that destroy our body and destroy our soul. And people say, but everybody's doing it. What's wrong with it? It's acceptable. It's acceptable to the world. But does God condone it? Spend time with the Word. Spend time in prayer. Spend time in the Word of, of God. In the Word of God. And as you learn about it and God speaks to you, you realize, oh, hang on, this is not who I am in Christ. What you do is you take your body, <laughs> you lay it down, you renew your mind, say, I don't live by those things. I live by the Word of God. That is how I'm going to speak. That is how I'm going to live. That is how I'm going to think. And as we go further in the study over the next couple of weeks, you, you will see what, what it means and, and how different God's will and God's way of doing things, how different it is from the world. Let me read this passage as we come to a close from the Passion Translation. 
Listen to this. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God, to be his sacred, living sacrifices. Listen, surrender yourselves. You are the only person who can surrender yourself. I can't surrender you, you know, on your behalf. I can't surrender myself on your behalf. I can surrender me. I'm in charge of what is under this skin. And so I can surrender myself. But you, you're in charge of what is under your skin. And you must make a decision if you're going to surrender yourself to God to be his sacred living sacrifice. And live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Our worship is genuine when you're doing this and you're experiencing what delights his heart. Verse 2, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. In other words, don't be squeezed into the mold of this present age, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Man, I don't know about you, but I want that, man. I want that. Even if it costs me something. Even if it is inconvenient at times. Even if it means that I'm going to look like a weirdo to some of my friends and to some people out there. I want to experience God and his blessing. And his goodness. And his provision. What about you? What about you? So what does God really want? That's the title of this mission. So what is it that God really wants from you and me? As you look at these verses. What does he want? He wants us. Ultimately God wants us. Body, soul and spirit. Yes, you've given your life to him. Great. So he's got your spirit. But he wants your soul and your body too. He wants the whole of you. Not just part of you. He just he doesn't want you to spend an hour with him on Sunday mornings. He wants you 24-7. He wants what? Total surrender. Not a military surrender like, yes sir, I, I, I surrender because you got a gun pointing at me. No, not a military surrender. But a surrendering because of love. Based on love and based on gratitude. I understand the mercies of God. I am grateful and therefore I surrender to this great God. What God wants from us is a genuine expression of worship because it is ourselves bringing ourselves to Him. And He wants us experiencing His life in us by thinking the way He thinks. He wants all of us, our thoughts, our bodies, and our spirits. Amen. What are you going to give him today? And I want us, as we end the service, I want just to stop. You know, we are all in different stages of our lives. Some of us are giving still early steps in getting to know God. Some of us have been serving for many years. But I find that this whole matter of 
giving ourselves to him. Yes, it begins with a decision. It's sometime in your life with God, I receive, I give my life to you. And that's the beginning. But I found that as we navigate through life, challenges keep on coming. Circumstances. Sickness, disease, problems with people, employment, unemployment, financial difficulties, you know, whatever. And these things tend to take our eyes away from the ultimate goal. Sometimes we get so caught up with this stuff that we kind of drift away from our position in the altar of sacrifice. You're going to climb off the altar and you want to fix some stuff, you know. And so I find that I need to be continuously reminding myself that I am his. I want to surrender my life to him. Where are you at today? Think back of this last week or two. What has been happening in your life? Is there perhaps an area in your life where you've taken your decision and you have not been trusting God? Have you been behaving, speaking, acting in a way that does not reflect the character of God? You know, I, I read a story the other day, a woman in America, um, she, she was driving her car and, and some guy cut in front of her. And so she climbed on a hooter, she showed the finger, she shouted at this guy. She really went berserk because of this guy had made a mistake in the road in front of her. Just now she sees a cop pulling up in a bike next to her. She says, lady, get out of the car, please. He got her out, has come with me. She actually took her to the cop station and went through all the documentation. About two hours later, he came to her. Okay, I'm sorry, lady, you're, you're, you're free to go. He says, but why the heck did you stop me anyway? He says, no, I, I was driving behind you and I saw what you did. And then I saw this sticker in your car. You know, I love Jesus and I'm a woman of all these Christian stickers. And I thought this was a stolen car. I thought you had stolen this car. So as the world has been observing us this last two weeks, <laughs> yeah, I can see a bunch of you are going to remove any sticker from your car now, take every sticker out. <laughs> the point is this, what is our life reflecting? And you know what your life is reflecting, so do I. And I know the others in my life, we just don't need to trim including my driving in traffic, okay, <laughs> and so on, and getting ticked off. But you see, all, all are work in progress, but you need to know, in this area, Lord, I surrender again, Lord. I recommit myself to you. I lay my life at your altar. Lord, that's where I want to be, surrendered at your altar. I want you to have the whole of me. Are you willing to make that prayer this morning? Right there where you are. It's not for people to see. It's between you and God. You're going to stand up and I'm going to close in prayer. But right there where you're sitting or standing. I want everybody to stand as we close in prayer. Everybody stands, please. Everybody stand. But right there where you're standing right now, you can remain seated if you can't stand. You can remain seated. It doesn't matter. But whether you're sitting or standing, I want you to, right there where you are, just to close your eyes right now. And if this is your desire, if you've heard today's message and God has been stirring to you, your heart, speaking to you, if this is your desire to be a living sacrifice, to live a life of true worship, to be a man and a woman, a person, a young boy, young girl, teenager, that goes against the flow simply because you love God, 
simply because you are grateful to him and because you want God's best in your life, then right now, right where you are, quietly between you and God, you don't have to speak out loud. God knows. He hears your thoughts. Just quietly say, Lord Jesus, I surrender. Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I surrender my body to you. Lord Jesus, I will renew my mind. Lord Jesus, I will learn to think your thoughts. And Father God, as you hear the individual prayers going out, you know each one's life. You are touching people's hearts right now. You're pointing your finger, placing your finger in some specific areas which people need to adjust right now. In my life and other people's lives, Lord, I pray, Father, that you give each one of us the courage to go against the flow, the courage to humble ourselves before God and say, God, you are God and I am not. And so I will surrender to you. I will live a surrendered life. You can have me, God. You can have me. All that I am. All that I have. And so, Father, I pray your blessing upon everyone listening to this message this morning, right now here in this hall. I pray for everyone listening right now, Father God, to this recording, no matter where they are in this nation or in the world. Lord, I pray that your spirit will touch their lives. And that together with us here, we can all say, Lord, we surrender. I wonder if you have the courage and the boldness to, to just say that, that, that simple phrase with me right now. Say, Lord, I surrender. Are you willing? Let's do it. Lord, I surrender. One more time. Lord, I surrender. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> oh, Father, let your peace and your joy embrace each one of us. Because you're, you're present here. Your Holy Spirit is here. And empower us that as we leave this place, as we go into this week and facing our day-to-day -day challenges in our schools, in our jobs, in our places of work, in our homes, in whatever it is that we are doing, my God, that we may experience your presence, Lord God, and remain faithful to you and experience your good, your pleasing, and your perfect will in our lives. To the glory of God. And so now may the presence of God the Father, the love of God the Father, the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit strengthening each of us, remain with us as we place our bodies before God in the altar of sacrifice and as we allow our minds to be renewed by his word, as we endeavor to put God's word in our thinking and live by his values, to the glory of God, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise God. Thanks for being with us. We'll continue next Sunday. Don't miss it. Amen. Enjoy some fellowship. Enjoy some uh, free coffee and have a great time together. Blessings to you. Amen.